Welcome back to Season 2 of Conversations with Coley Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Miller, the author of the book series A Through Z Guide to Raising a Good Human, a book series that I wrote to start the communication process between parents and children, starting from birth and why conversation is important. This year, I want to invite you to join me and my guests as we talk about all the subjects and topics that we hear about in everyday life, like human trafficking, grief, relationships, near-death experiences, and all the insights that we can learn from these subjects and topics, and how to look at things from both sides of the spectrum without using bias. Join me and my guests this season as we heat up the summer and the airwaves with our hot topics and we start opening the doors and shaking out the rugs that we have been carrying with us through generations to truly be the change. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today I'm speaking with learning disability advocate, Michelle Steiner. Today we are speaking about the stigma attached to learning differently and what life is like through the lens of someone who has a different ability. Welcome, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you for being here. So before we get into the conversation, I always start with an icebreaker question that has nothing to do with the topic or something okay. that does. So for you, if you had a superpower, what would it be? If I had a superpower, I think that I'd like to take away um, people's pain. Ah, that is nice. I like that. So let's tell everybody about you. Sure. Well, my name is Michelle Steiner. I live in Pennsylvania with my husband and our two cats, uh, Jack and Sparrow. And I am a, disability, a learning disability advocate and writer. And I'm also a paraeducator and I'm a photographer too. Oh, wow. You're busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you have a, and you have a blog. I do. I have a blog called Michelle's Mission. And on my blog, I feature information about learning disabilities. And I have a store with us on my, I also put my, I have my photography and I have the store uh, where people can purchase my uh, merchandise. And I also have a forum where people can talk about disability related topics. And this month is uh, Disability Pride and what it means to what it means to you, because July is Disability Pride Month. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad that we managed to have a conversation during Disability Pride Month. I had no idea. <laughs> and I am surprised because when I was growing up, my stepfather was handicapped. He was in a wheelchair from mm -hmm. an accident. My mother's sister and brother were both learning disabled. And okay. so I'm surprised that I'm just now hearing about Disability Pride Month. Why is it something that is not out there for us to just know? I think that it's, I'm not exactly sure when it started, but uh, other than a few years ago, I wasn't even aware of that. I just think that it's one of those things where uh, people just are not aware 
of what, um, well, first of all, what learning disabilities are, but just having that month where we celebrate all the different kinds of disabilities, not just yeah. in October when it's um, Learning Disability Awareness Month and, um, you know, that. But I, I think that this is just everybody together celebrating that. And a lot of people just aren't aware of that. Yeah. So how did you get into advocating for learning disabilities? I began my advocacy work for learning disabilities a few years ago. I can remember uh, writing was always really healing for me. And I had a, I was in a writer's group and I had a friend that said, you know, you really should write about having a learning disability. And I told her, oh, I don't know, that's too personal. I, I wasn't really ready to share that. And I think I wrote some bad poetry and some other really cringeworthy stories at that time. And But when I finally shared my first article that got published on The Mighty, which was um, my struggle with limited hand, um, opening a lock with limited hand dexterity, I uh, just, I, I felt that that was another healing thing that I did. Uh, that I did. I, it really helped me connect with other people and it got my story out there. And that just inspired me a few years ago to just keep on writing more stories. And I began my own blog about two years ago. And I just uh, had a lot of great feedback from people. I got a lot of connections. And uh, that that's when I really started to come out and just say, I have a learning disability and uh, I'm, you know, I, ha I have a amount of pride with that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you just kind of leaned into it as it was mm -hmm. coming towards you. I love that. Do you mind sharing with us what your learning disability is? Sure. I have dyscalculia, which is a math, the math learning disability. I also have limited hand dexterity in both hands, but we didn't figure that out until I was an adult. And I have visual perception uh, issues, but those are in my hand, um, in my brain, not in my eyes. Mm, okay. Did you struggle as a student in school? Yes, I did. In fact, whenever I was in kindergarten, I was really lucky that they had me diagnosed. My teacher saw that I was really struggling when I came in. Um, I even had a preschool teacher that thought that there was something going on. But at that time, they really didn't have a lot of the uh, services they have now if, if you have a small child that's struggling. So my parents sent me to kindergarten and um, you know, it was really clear. I was struggling with dot to dot pages. I was uh, really having a hard time with counting, tying my shoes. And my teacher recognized that. And uh, she recommended that I get tested for having a learning disability. And once I, yeah, and, and sure enough, I ha had one. And uh, at that time, we didn't have specific learning disabilities. Uh, we we knew I wasn't going to be a mathematician, <laughs> but it was more of an umbrella term that they they just said you have a learning disability. And I had to repeat kindergarten the following year in a different school. And school was a struggle for me, not only academically, but it was a struggle socially as well. There's a, a stigma that was definitely attached to me. Uh, our school was in a very small school district where they didn't really have a lot of diversity and it was close knit if you belong with them. And having my disability had me stand out and it wasn't always in the most positive way. Right. I was getting ready to ask, did mm -hmm. you ever um, feel that you were maybe like cast aside, didn't fit in, um, mm -hmm. not part of the group. 
Oh, definitely. It, it started when I was a young child. And part of that was too, I was an only child for 13 years. My brother didn't come along until I was a teenager. So I had a lot of adults to interact with. And that had a lot of advantages too. But when you go to school, that, that can be hard if you don't have siblings to know how to socialize with. Yeah. And then the disability was an even bigger factor because in that small school, I couldn't blend in. I couldn't hide. Everybody knew, uh, even when I was in regular ed classes, that I went to learning support to have a test read or I had uh, extra time on tests. Or mm -hmm. I some of the classes I had to be in for learning support, everybody knew I went in there. And it was really hard to relate to some of my peers in learning support because a lot of them struggle more with reading and behavior issues. And we had some uh, really uh, sad demographics with a lot of our students where they came from some really rough family backgrounds, not all of them, but if, but some of them did. And uh, I just, I didn't, they didn't view me as smart. And uh, whenever I was in regular ed, they, everyone thought, well, you go to learning support, so you're already uh, not very smart and you're already getting, uh, easy work and uh it's giving you an unfair advantage and they they thought that a lot of the regular ed students thought well we have to work so hard and it's not fair you hardly have to work and what they didn't realize was i was having to work extra hard to be able just to get the concept of uh, that they took for granted right right because everybody learns differently mm -hmm. i could not tell time until eighth grade wow. i did not on the right feet. I had a lot of learning issues myself and I had to go to the, what we called the LD room. Yes. And so mm -hmm. we did, we got the bullying. <laughs> I was from a small town as well. And so there was no blending. Yep. I had mm -hmm. flaming red hair and buck teeth and <laughs> I, had a learning, I had a learning issue with math as well. And you were whispered about, or you yep. were spoken about, oh, she's got to go to the other room. You would leave your class. And mm -hmm. it was embarrassing to me. Did you feel that that pushed you to excel as best as you could with your learning disability? Or did you feel that it maybe held you back and kind of did something to your confidence? It was a mixture of both. I was really lucky to have wonderful parents that didn't give up on me. And they didn't expect perfect grades, but they sure expected me to try. And we would go through really sometimes tearful homework sessions. And it, it would be frustrating for me and because I wanted to learn and just be like everybody else. And my parents, they had to you know, they made me go to school even when they knew I was not going to do well on a test or a class and they knew I was trying and that was the big thing or they knew I was having trouble with a peer. And I eventually it worked in all the areas except for math. I was getting really good grades and because I was using the supports and we found out what I was good at. So that helped. But I think it also did affect my confidence. I can remember, especially being in elementary school, and I would want to answer a question in class and I would think, oh, I probably got the wrong answer. I don't want to appear dumb. And I would kick myself because somebody else a lot of times would answer the, the question, the same answer I wouldn't, it was correct. And I just didn't have that confidence. And that was really also difficult when I wanted to go into college because I knew I wanted to go to school. And I was doing well in my high school classes, but I just wondered, can I really handle it? 
And I wasn't alone in that. I had some learning support teachers who didn't think that I could go to school, um, college, and suggested a vocational program, but it just didn't feel like the right match for me. And I had a really supportive student teacher that said, oh, you can go to college. You, you know how to study. And th that was just, that, that gave me that boost. And I can remember though, before I went into school, I had to be tested to have a learning disability all over again. And the psychiatrist told me, you're most likely not going to go beyond a community college. And I had an advisor that told me, you're going to have limited job choices. So I did already didn't have a lot of confidence and I didn't use the accommodations that were offered because of the stigma and my grades really dropped. So that made me feel even worse about myself for a while. And then I finally had a professor that said, why don't we at least get you extended test time? And once I did that, I was able to pass her class, didn't do well. I was able to graduate, but, and I was able to move on on my own. I always wanted more for myself. And when I went back to school, that's when I had the confidence to go in and advocate for myself and say, all right, this is the program that's going to work for me at university. These are the accommodations I'm going to need. And I really, I, I tried to just not listen to a lot of the people around me that, that weren't supportive of that. Uh, a lot of, um, cause you're always going to have that, but it, it was a much better experience when I had the confidence to use that. Yeah, and good for you for advocating for what you needed. So how did they receive that when you went in and said, listen, these are the things that I need to be a successful student? I had a really good experience with my professors. I was in the service, service and special education. So most of the professors were very, in my department that I was in, were very well aware of what disabilities were and they were really encouraging. And I had a lot of professors outside of the department that uh, were encouraging as well. Uh, you always have one or two that didn't quite get <laughs> the memo right. on what was going on, but uh, we, we were able to work through with that and, uh, you know, always be able to be successful. Um, definitely. I also had a lot of support with, with the campus too. They were very, uh, friendly, disability friendly. So I think that's, an yeah. And they've even improved on their accommodations, uh, since I graduated from there. So I, yeah, I can't say, um, not enough things about the place I went to school. Oh, that's nice. That is so nice because that's kind of a lead into my next question is, do you feel that our world is disability friendly? I sometimes feel though uh, that I'm living in a world that is almost not made for me. That That's yeah. one of the things with having a disability. Um, it, it has gotten a lot better than uh, maybe it was for me when I was younger. Uh, we are coming to making improvements and a lot more awareness and uh, acceptance. But there are things, especially with when people can't see my disability, that mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it's not a world where I'm believed or and people don't always understand why I can't do certain things. Right, right. So was that hard for you going into like your career? Like it finding a job, was it hard to find businesses that would also be supportive? Yes, it can be really difficult to go in and find a job. Even ones that said that they were disability friendly, um, they knew how to handle physical disabilities really well. 
but they didn't know how when I was struggling how, how to really support me. I'm really lucky at the job that I'm at now because they understand that I'm a paraeducator in a school and we work with students that have disabilities. So the staff I work with is, is wonderful. We work as a team. I told them I have a math learning disability and they said, yeah, that's okay. They said, well, you can help us out with reading and English and history because most of the people I work with, they're great at math, but they struggle with that. With that. So we work, yeah, so we're able to work as a team and, and all the kids know, <laughs> I, I make it pretty clear in the beginning of the year, I can't help you with math. And most of them are pretty understanding. And some of the responses are humorous too, especially when I worked in the young grades. Um, but yeah, it can be tough to, to find the right employer for yeah. them. Yeah, because I think that now we're starting to shine a light on people who struggle. Because mm -hmm. when I was growing up, if you had a learning disability, you were kind of like, oh, kicked to the corner. Yeah, we're not going to invest in you because you're broken. You were made to feel like you had something wrong with you. I watched my aunt go through it. She, why I say dif learning differently or differently abled is she may struggle in one area, but she excels yep. in other areas. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I may not be good at math, but. Right reading and English were my best subjects and I could barely look at things and know the answers. So right. I feel like there's a lot of yin and yang with that. How do we get more people to understand that just because someone struggles in one area, we shouldn't cast them aside? I think we need to realize the world needs all kinds of thinkers and all kinds of people to perform different roles. Um, that That's definitely something that we can do. And just listening to each other, because um, that would just be really helpful if a lot of people did that. Because I, I just think that uh, different people can do different things. And if everybody could do math, well, then we wouldn't have anybody that was good with reading or uh, would be able to, or good with words or speaking. And if everybody was good with, uh, you know, the, the reading, then we wouldn't have a lot of people to figure out the math and things that um, do need to uh, happen. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So do you feel that where you're from, there are resources and enough resources for people with learning disabilities or different abilities. I think it's there's not a whole lot of resources for adults with learning disabilities. I mean, we do have um, OVR, which is Office for Vocational Rehabilitation. Um, they help you uh, get a job. They can also help you with fund. They've helped funded my college. Uh, whenever I was in school all those years and the disability accommodations and all the testing. So they are a wonderful resource. But one of the issues that people with learning disabilities have is when they're looking for jobs and they send you to some job training programs, they're really geared towards maybe somebody that has an intellectual disability, which is wonderful. I, I do think they need a lot of that training and that support, but there's not a whole lot of programs that show people with learning disabilities, uh, this is how you ask for accommodations, or this is how, uh, these are some job choices that you can do, or, well, they can do what 
that that uh, might fit what their needs are, but there's just not a lot of resources out there for an adult that has them. Yeah. So how do we as people create these resources for people with learning disabilities as they get older? One of the things I try to do with my blog is I'm trying to, I do point people to other resources as well. Um, if somebody comes in and they're, uh, you have a high school student, then they have a learning disability, I can I point a lot of people to OVR for, for that initial help. But I try to be a resource where I explain what life is like for me with having a learning disability, um, using metaphors and using uh, pictures. Uh, nature's a big thing. And I think that it's just having that awareness where we can be able to, um, you know, just show what what uh, what works. And I'm one voice, but I mean, there's other people that have learning disabilities too, and they can show they can share with this work for them too. And I, I think it's just listening and just um, uh, being aware to connect and connecting with other people that have them. Yeah, and and really having the conversations maybe. To find mm -hmm. out where the strengths lie, to see yeah. where this person could be an asset. Maybe their weaknesses are not needed in your business or for what they want to do with themselves and in their lives. Instead of limiting people and saying, oh, well, you don't excel here, so I don't believe you'll excel anywhere. Right, exactly. Finding where they're good at and and going on that and finding a way for, to make it work. That, yeah. That's the big thing, too, because I know... Uh, that a lot of people have said, well, you would make a really good elementary school teacher if you can get your act together. And I knew that wasn't a wise choice for me going into it, but I was able to find a program that did interest me that I could do. And I think that's the thing too. We have to go in, what are you good at? Uh, what can you what what can you do and what are your strengths and and build from that point because there, there are different ways that we we can uh, um, handle that. Are you working with your community um in other ways to sh like kind of share your story and to kind of you know shine lights on people that are disabled i am well it, not at this time it, very much i do have a a podcast cafe that I do meet with the, in Pittsburgh, which is an hour away from where I live at, where we are doing a lot of uh, connecting with people. Um, okay. I hope to do even more of that in the future. Yeah, it sounds like you're very busy. You keep yourself very busy. <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, if there are listeners that are in some areas and they feel that they connect with your story, like they struggle, they don't have resources, who, who and where can they look in their own communities to find help and assistance and support? One of the things they can do is they can look up um, Office for Vocational Rehabilitation. That is a federal program uh, that is in all, every state, every, and every major city has at least one of them, and they can call for some information with that. Um, it might also be helpful to look in their health and human services just to see what some disability places are. Uh, a lot of places, even if you would call a center for independent living, um, they may be able to, they might have a referral network. And maybe if, even if you don't need like home health care, they can maybe uh, 
provide you with some resources. If you say, well, I have a learning disability, uh, what, what help is out there? And sometimes they can help you find those uh, services as well, or just looking in the local community to, to just ask about, well, what does this place do? And just, just to see. Mm -hmm. So what can we do moving forward from today, me as a person, me as a mother teaching my children to remove stigma around people that have different abilities? I think it's it's definitely showing thing, uh, sharing things in age appropriate terms about a person that has a disability. Um, it's uh, teaching kindness and just being um, just listening. Sometimes that's a really important thing too, is to listen what the person needs because everybody uh, that has a learning disability will experience it differently. And uh, mm -hmm. I just think it's important for that person to have that voice. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to share with us uh, where to find your blog and where people can start to follow you, um, especially in the community of being disabled? Maybe somebody might look to you as an inspiring person. Where are they going to find you? You can find me on michellesmission.net and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. Awesome. And what does the future hold for you? What do you think you're going to do in the future in your advocacy? I'd like to maintain my blog and I would also like to write a few books. I definitely want to do a children's book about dyscalculia because there's not a lot out there about that. And yeah. I'd also like to do a memoir of my life. Oh, neat, neat. Can you kind of talk about what, is it dys, dyscalculia? Uh -huh. Can you talk about what that is? Because I have not ever heard. Okay, that is the math learning, a math learning disability. So um, that is really, uh, people that have that just have a really hard time just understanding how numbers work. And okay. just, yeah. And is it possible to struggle in one factor of math and maybe not another? Like I, I could not for the life of me understand addition and subtraction. You could sit there and explain it to me over and over. I could do flashcards, not understand it. Multiplication, division, Excel. Yeah, it's a possibility because not everybody's the same. And we don't know. It's not that the person can't do math. It's just sometimes we haven't found the right way to teach somebody how to do it. That's that's what my dad has always told me. He goes, I think you're you can do math. Nobody has just found the right way to teach you. Um, yeah. And it's not only just struggling with how numbers work. It also goes into other areas of my life. I can't read the Facebook law. We've tried multiple attempts. I struggle with my right and my left. I uh, yeah. Um, it, that, that can be a challenge. I also directional concepts. If you tell me south or east or west, I don't know how that works. I haven't memorized all my math facts. Uh, so a lot of that, it just all kind of goes together. Yeah, yeah. But you're an inspiration because you didn't let it stop you. You went exactly. through college and you are married and have cats and you have a career and you have a blog. I mean, you're doing a bunch of things. So that in itself is inspiring. What do you have to say to maybe a little girl that might be struggling with the same thing that you were when you were her age? What do you have to say to her? I would tell that little girl not to give up and that things get a lot easier. And I know it doesn't seem like it now, but things are going to get easier and you're going to be okay. I love that.
I love it, Michelle. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and what you're doing. And I hope any which way I can support, I hope to help because I feel like once we get people to understand that people just learn differently, they see yep. things differently. They're, they're taking it in, in a different way than maybe you are. Let's normalize that and make exactly. it more friendly for us all to live cohesively and learn from one another. Exactly. Do you have any final thoughts you would like to share? I would just like to encourage people that have learning disabilities or any disability to know what they want and to be able to find a way to do it and just not to give up because success often comes in a package um, that you don't expect and mostly uh, in most cases it's a lot better. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for spending time listening to our conversation. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe, like, and share so we can reach more listeners with our powerful messages. And stay tuned to hear about our affiliates and recommendations. They change from episode to episode.